and welcome to another episode of Giving a Hoof, end of season, off season edition. I'm Luke. I'm here with, well, what are you these days? Are you, you still are just gambler? John Ryan. Why do you have to mention I'm a gambler and then use my full name when you never <laughs> call me by my name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're in Iowa. It's legal here. And uh, by our data scuba diver, Kyle Reisman. Hello. And we're ready to get going. We've uh, we've got a season to cover, but ultimately we're just going to go with highlights. So let's start with it, Jr. What you got? What what's your what's your regular season highlight here? Um, regular season highlight to me, and maybe one that maybe um, encapsulates the season the most, is uh, Chavani's goal to steal a draw from Chattanooga at home. Came from absolutely out of nowhere in a game where we obviously thought we didn't deserve to get a draw. And good enough for a highlight reel. Yeah, no, that... That definitely was was one of the like peak moments. It was that that was his one up for um, goal of the season? Yeah, it was. And he was kind of robbed because that was just, it, especially standing right behind it, the curve on that thing, like, holy shit, that was good. That was just. Uh, I I understand why. Uh, why it was up for gold season, but the the angle of that camera did not do that justice. Yeah, you could tell a lot more. It was Omar Sisk's goal that won, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, a lot a lot similar to that goal, but Omar's was farther away, and you could you could see the knuckle in his shot a lot more. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it had had there been a camera from where we were at on the berm for that, uh, just that that thing just. It was a curveball mm -hmm. to, to use our baseball field terminology. <laughs> uh, how about you, Kyle? What what do you what stands out for you as um, a regular season highlight uh, to beat all highlights? So I for me, I think it's actually it's kind of two because they were back to back, mm -hmm. which they had so much promise at the <laughs> time. Uh, but going down a man and then recovering and tying with Madison and then beating Chattanooga with those two late goals down a man. That was just such an incredible atmosphere. And when, you know, again, we thought we were not really going to get anything and then we get points off of that. So, oh, and then just what happened after it. But those two moments, like looking at it, because after we beat Chattanooga late, we were top of the league. Yep. That, for that, that was brief a brief period of time. That was a beautiful day. Was mm -hmm. was was that or the um, was that or the win against Madison? Because I think the Madison one you're talking about was also a win when we were down. Oh, it might have been a win. Yeah, but one of those two I think was our last win. Yeah, the Chattanooga was the last one I think because mm -hmm. that was the weekend. And yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure that one was when we went top, and then Richmond played like midweek and then took it back over. Mm -hmm. But for that like brief little time, we were top. Mm -hmm. That that was. That was a good highlight. You know, the the moment we were top of the table, everything looked looked beautiful. Uh, yeah. I 
No, I didn't see it in person because it took me two and a half years, but I finally got COVID this year. I, I got to go with Piedra Hita's goal. Mm. Uh, you know, what was that? 30 seconds into the game, it chips it over Halliday. Like, I, I feel bad for Halliday because Halliday is one of the best and brightest goalkeeping minds uh, and youngest in the country right now. Has great prospects internationally, domestically, uh, nationally, uh, I think. But seeing Kevin not definitely was not an intentional chip. He was not aiming for goal on that. But the way he, it, as a goalkeeper, getting a goal yourself and getting it from full field, even at, even in our minimal FIFA regulation pitch at Werner Park. And I will reiterate that to anybody not from Omaha and from Omaha listening. It is FIFA regulation. Barely. Barely. <laughs> Inches. <laughs> but it's there. I mean, they, 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 they measure it to the inch in the rule book for a reason. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we, we fit that. Um, it's probably bigger than that one in Georgia that's inside of a castle. I, although I, I honestly would rather play inside of a castle than a baseball stadium. I was going to say, that That sounds pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's really cool. Uh, there, there was a, a Twitter thread of like the coolest pitches in the world um, oh, a couple months ago. And that one's been out there forever, but they, they're showing like, um, what was it? Was there the San Marino goal or pitch which there's like one for the entire city there's mm -hmm. the one in portugal that the national team plays at sometimes that's yeah. basically like carved into a mountain yeah like all, all of these super cool ones but yeah I, I think ours is bigger than the one in georgia um still like kevin kevin put everything out this year um being good enough to start anywhere in the league starting behind rashid here because I mean, Rashid is a next-level goalkeeper. But the, his emotions behind that goal were just... It, it was great to watch through a TV screen and from that, hearing... That whole night, he jumped on yeah. and rode the wall after yeah. the game. Celebration after the game. Even, the, even, though the la even though the last goal of the game was one, he gave up. It was still a 4-1 win. Um, the Burm was chanting his name for... It almost seemed like the last 10 minutes straight. And... Most players, you don't, like, most players, they, they don't respond. They're just, you know, the game's still going on, I'm focused. But, no, every now and then, because especially as a keeper, you have moments where you can just kind of relax and you're almost kind of just pacing, you, you know, pacing to keep your energy level, you know, down. And he's, like, slowly, like, fist pumping as he keeps on hearing it. He he got the moment. He, he, he understood. Yeah. No, he – Everything he gave for this team over two seasons was just nuts. He had a double save that night too. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. he had um, was that he had two save saves. Hmm? Was that save of the week? Even I think. Yeah, that, it was one of yeah. and it was one of the end of the season nominations. Mm -hmm. I'm sure too. Yeah, because he had two saves up for <clears throat> save of the year. Uh, he had to go against himself, which is boo. I get it. I I, I get it, but boo. Mm -hmm. Um. All right. Low light of the regular season. 
Am I starting again? We'll start with you. Um, well, gosh, if it's... Um, so I assume the... I assume the rules of this game are to try and pick an individual moment and no i i mean it could be an entire game where you felt everything just went to hell uh it could be a singular well, moment that you felt was it's it's both then because of uh it's both because of also what it led to but just the three no loss at richmond Tush got hurt that game and at that point that was when the team was officially on fumes you got guys going out of position to play to replace him so then another guy has to go out of position to play for him and it just seemed like that was the rest of the whole season in that game in general it's that you know the, the team the team the team fought for a little while in the start of the second half to they were i think at that point just on pure emotion and then it just it was kind of just like when the it was just like the floodgates opening up and that's what the entire end of the season felt like yeah no i I definitely, definitely feel that. Um, I'm going to jump ahead of you in yeah, line here. <clears throat> uh, similarly for me, and I'm actually going to break the, the mold here a little bit and go with three specific um, lowlights for me. What are you feeling with a Kyle's? Well, I could <laughs> be. be. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Geo oh. getting injured very <laughs> early in the season, just as it seemed like he was hitting his stride. Um, but he had had some great play, and even that game um, had, had uh, taken. I, I don't know if that was the injury causing event or or what, but he drew the the penalty there. That um, you know, was that JP who converted on that one? Yeah, I don't yeah. Even remember which game yeah, this was. It was the very first Fuego game, very first home game, and JP converted because he didn't. Yeah play against Chicago midweek yeah. and take a penalty then. So he took the penalty in the weekend. And no, that that was one player that I felt had a lot of promise and could have done a lot of a lot of good with the, the squad. Then Bawa. Because mm-hmm. that, uh, to your point, with Touche getting injured, um, I don't think Touche would have been put into that situation if Isaac had been fit and able to cover um defensively yeah because at that point then you're replacing uh bawa with gabe and it's a like for like and you're able to get away with it yeah uh and then third of all touche like our three big injuries um luckily touche was the only non-season ending injury although it was the only one that made a member of our technical staff puke um you can go back <laughs> rewatch that game and i believe it's west mims because you could, per per on field accounts, you could see bone on that. Um, very very tough breaks for our team. Uh, three extremely promising players that got pulled out in spots where we we really could have used them for the remainder of the season, and I I think it would have changed a lot going into the postseason um, having them been consistent over the entirety of it. I mean, you could even add for postseason wise, you could add in Noe at the very end too. True, true. Um, yeah, because then, so I've got two then since they weren't mentioned. Um, one is the other Richmond game, the home Richmond game, where we led and then they came back. Mm-hmm. And was we that led? Was that our second of three? It was our last one. Okay. 
yeah. Um, and yeah, it was our only one at home. And it was kind of the start of that trend. We had like lost to Tucson, but it was kind of a weird game. Before. As every Tucson game yeah. was. Um, it was super late at night. Um, but then that Richmond game where we were ahead and they had came back. And then we were ahead again late. And they scored two late goals, including, you know, just to beat us. That, I think, also set the tone for the end of the season. And then the last home game against Fuego. Honestly, like, if we would have gotten something out of that game, we would have gotten ourselves a home playoff game. Potentially even a bye with how it came out, I think. It was close to it. But we didn't. We just kind of fell flat right at the end. So, yeah. Really unfortunate. Um. What we'll go go to Open Cup next. Similar, we we did have four games in the Open Cup. Um, five. As well. five. Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. we did have five. Try not to remember last. Yeah. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, but while while we're talking through that, um, we didn't bring this up in the the pre pod talk, but uh, start thinking of you know your most improved player your um mvp and no just like players that stood out for you and we'll 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 talk through those the three of us you guys are better at data than i am but i i do have some thoughts there um open cup wise uh i'm gonna start with the low light and um i i think we all can kind of share this uh the bloody mess outside of the six to one or six, no six to six zero. zero sorry I sorry hoping, I, I was thinking tucson i was thinking tucson um uh, uh rest in peace tucson <laughs> <laughs> uh no the six nil loss in skc that yeah. was followed up by bloody jerseys and beating up teenagers uh from some uh, I, I don't hooligans. even want to call them ultras. Hooligans. Yeah, hooligans. hooligans. Mm -hmm. uh, it, Assholes and, that know who they are. Yeah, they, yeah. they knew what they were doing. Because I, I was there at the start of that. Yeah. I, they knew what they were doing. You got blood on your jersey. I didn't I didn't get blood, got but I, I got it torn. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that, that was a low light of the Open Cup run because everything up to that had just been amazing. Even up that night, losing six to nil. Yeah. Uh, it was like just hearing the chanting in the stadium from the Omaha supporters. Well, the the fact so we good. were we were louder than a well, maybe not louder, but as loud as yeah. a packed SKC contingent mm -hmm. uh, in Children's Mercy Park. And I've been there for a number of uh, SKC games, and it's it's an amazing atmosphere for an SKC game. And I thought we brought as much, if not more, energy mm -hmm. than I've ever heard in there. Um, but your your low lights. So I'll, I'll let you choose who. Well, thank you for not choosing. Thank you for not choosing your low light as the one that was directly caused by me. <laughs> My low light is waking up at three in the morning, the day of the Minnesota United game, and testing positive for COVID, which means that I could not go to Iowa to pick you up, and you had no way to get to the game, and could not go yourself. Thankfully, our two friends that we were going with did find alternate means of transportation and got to go to the game you didn't get to and it's the one chance i could have gotten to watch us in person beat an mls side and 
also to have seen Joe's goal from that angle because oh. it was whenever you look at the highlight of the goal, you could see our contingent of fans just clear as day behind it. They must have just had a perfect shot of it, especially at that well, point because uh, there's a couple dozen of us. They're staggered on rows. Nobody's blocking anybody's view. Well, Braden had, <laughs> has an amazing video I've of seen that. that. That's been put up on Twitter a number of times. And uh, you you catching COVID for your first time there sucked. Um, also, we won, so maybe we should just you know try and catch COVID whenever we have a questionable game. Uh, not not a great strategy, but if it works, it works. Uh, the The worst part was the the hours put in trying to organize that, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that that was that was definitely a bummer. Um, we're both alive now and healthy. In so. hindsight, that's probably an awful idea because we were planning on going there and back the same day. That would have been, um, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was that was a choice, yeah. a choice that we were forced to change. Yep, yep. See, see, the problem is that that game is is my highlight game because I was there. Yeah, yeah. I know you yeah, were. I know you yeah, were. Incredible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, because my low light is would be the same, like my uh, as as Luke's. Mine, mine would be <laughs> the aftermath of the SKC game, not necessarily the game itself, even but, though that sucked. I I think it's worth. Worth noting, hooliganism, um, as it ruins games in Europe, uh, ruins games in the States. And, you know, as, like, we're, we're not yet a soccer nation. No. Uh, don't, especially... Well, and even if we are, we don't need to have that as an element of soccer fandom. Like, it doesn't have exactly, to be Exactly. If we, haven't, if we haven't reached the level of fandom as most places in Europe have, how in the hell is hooliganism the one part of the game that we have met up with? Because yeah. that's what it is. These are groups that are, it's just like, it's just like hooliganism in Europe. These are groups that literally only form to do this, to do this kind of stuff. So I, I will say it's not my highlight, but it, it's like a midlight. Um, texting friends with the, uh, the cauldron as it was going by and as i was driving down to chattanooga it's like yep driving by kansas city on our way to a, a playoff game uh which which felt real nice real nice uh, uh the the hooligan group that uh i jumped or was was brought up in that and like oh we'll have to tell them to set up a roadblock in, in all playfulness but in spite of one one bad group there, and from what I understand, bans were served. Um, there, SKC took appropriate action against them. Um, worked with Omaha fans uh, to to provide said action. Uh, really, really made the, the the magic of the cup not fade away, but the the hooliganism detracted so much. Um, now let's switch it to the highlights. I mean, yeah, my highlight was the Minnesota game. Like it was just an incredible experience. Um, even though I had some personal, personal problems with my phone during that, <laughs> uh, which made it not as fun, but, uh, still the game itself was in just incredible. 
Hey, it was I, so good. I got you your ticket. Yeah, it, you did. You, Thank you, you so got much. It. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Thank you so much. But yeah, no, I it, it was such an incredible game. And after the game, too, just hanging out with with the Minnesota people, Minnesota United fans who were all awesome, even though they had lost. Right? They they understood like an underdog winning is still a really interesting element, even if it sucked for them. So like, they it was just an awesome environment all around. Would love to have an MLS team at home next time, though. I, I mean, I, I'd love to move to the German model of you play at the lower division side. Because I would have loved to have gotten to Des Moines uh, mm-hmm. for theirs. I would have, you know, uh, NOCO doesn't have a home. So, uh, I mean, same <laughs> level. So it's Yeah, I mean, there, we didn't yeah. have a home for that game either. Yeah, but that was such a great experience. That was just yeah. poor luck going over, drawing home games against yeah, the MLS yeah. teams. That's but, just bad luck. All right, what what do you got? Honestly, I honestly the um the thrill behind the Chicago game is it, it stands out to me more than the Minnesota game. Just because Minnesota was almost well, of course, I'm sitting home with COVID watching the game, and I'm nervously saying, nervously saying, "There's no way that we can hold on to this lead." And honestly, <laughs> you know, we played well, but Minnesota didn't put up much of a fight after that. We put up a hell of a fight though, coming back against Chicago several times and mm-hmm. getting one at the death. That's at the death in like the 120th minute, that doesn't happen often. And the fact that we got to have that during our first ever U.S. Open Cup is kind of meaningful, special. And also the sometimes it's mm. it falls under the you know oh this is why we don't deserve to have nice things kind of thing. But <laughs> I would I, I thought but I thought part of that would mean mm. we're not going to be the first team to break through during the penalty shootout. But the fact that we saved one first. Mm-hmm. Shocking. <laughs> we saved one? No. Shido saved one. Okay, yeah. Like, you know, uh, wait, like we're, I, I understand you can put it on the team, <laughs> but there's one man who saved that, and that was Shido. Um, all right, my, my highlight, uh, I'll give it two. But first and foremost highlight, that menace own goal. <laughs> uh, no, we would have gotten anywhere without that menacing goal. No, no. Uh, and Corey Herzog, who played for us at the end of the season, uh, scored the one goal against us in that game. Uh, but I, I'd switched down the other side of Morrison Stadium for the for the second half, and was there, and just that own goal was so unfortunate for the menace but god did i cheer like that was the greatest banger of all time uh that may also have been the uh many liquid warmers i'd had um because that was a very cold game beginning of april it was or is that march still it is No, I think it was very early April. It would have been very early yeah. April. It was, it, it was basically my first public appearance after my hernia surgery. Yeah. And I was still kind of like, I could not jump up to celebrate anything. I could not do a whole lot of upper body movement that involved twisting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, then that weekend we went to Madison. Yeah. For our first game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I actually, before the game, went and supported the owners of the Des Moines Menace by purchasing alcohol from their establishment in the Capital District at Come and Go. So I supported the menace and they supported us. So it was a good time. 
But the crowd that was brought out to Morrison for that one, as cold as it was, was fantastic. And uh, the second highlight for me was, no, the, the win at Coniglia was great, but the environment at Coniglia um, at the UNO Stadium for that second Open Cup match was, or second home Open Cup match, was just unbelievable. Uh, the amount of Omaha, and Omaha, who never made it out to Werner Park, showed up for those games because things had happened, uh, things were going on. And just the the availability of public transit, uh, partnering with Orbit to to go from a locally owned brewery to riding public transit uh, a few stops away to a stadium in a moderately urban setting, just it, it it was great to see the potential for for soccer in this city. Um, that overall, I think the Open Cup uh, exceeded any expectation we have or had, mm -hmm. and I don't know as though we'll be able to repeat anything there. Oh, but yeah, incredibly in, in the moment, it was even like like. We talked a lot with people who were in Minnesota after the fact. Yeah. Like, just how magical that was that it's like, this very well may never happen again. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, almost then a blessing in disguise maybe that we didn't host an MLS team because we still have that to hopefully potentially look forward to. No, we won't. I mean, but let's be honest here. We're, we're not hosting an MLS side. That's not how U.S. soccer works. Hey, other, other USL1 teams did. We'll see. Yeah, uh, U.S. soccer doesn't work that way for us. <laughs> um, well, because one thing I was going to mention, I was trying to find it here quick. I know the Menace didn't do as well this year as, as they in. Both, but they're in the cup again. They're in. So we're probably going to see them again next year. <laughs> they win their game, yeah. They well, honestly, uh, St. Louis is in. They, they uh, might get paired up there. Well, but St. Louis is an MLS team, so they're going to be exactly a, la a later round. Yeah. Yeah, Des Moines. That, that's true. They they they're not going with St. Louis too this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Des Moines would win. Des Moines would have to win before us. Then then we they'd have to beat. Be, then they'd have to beat us if we you get matched up with them. Uh, did Chicago House win for the amateur? They did. They're going okay. too. So former NISA team. Well, former would be NISA team. They were NISA. They played. They did were they, they actually they played one year. All right, but it was a it was a bit sketch the whole time. But yeah, I mean it's NISA. It yeah. <laughs> um. All right, that that finishes our a recap of the twenty twenty two season. Um, there will be blog content. Uh, ben Turner is going to be be writing some a good recap of the season. Uh, if you've read his content before, you know it's fantastic. So be sure to check that out when it drops. Um, let's move into news normally we lead with this but there's a lot of it because we're in the off season and that's what we thrive on and do i go with the big news first you're you're hosting yeah all right we have a new kit sponsor <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole announcement about it we a whole event. oh no, no uh we, we we do have a new partnership uh Union Omaha has shirked Nike, uh, did not renew with Nike after two seasons. 
three seasons? Three seasons. Three seasons. Um, and has decided to go with Hummel. And at that Hummel event, uh, there was a very happy Jay Mims at that event. And Jay Mims has left Union Omaha. It, it, if you've uh, followed the news, you, you know that already. Okay, uh, moving on. Yeah, we we've had yeah, some player signings. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice looking kit. Yeah, I didn't uh, get to see it in person, well, but locally designed too. Uh, Jack uh, with the team did the prim or the initial designs for oh, it, and it was tweaked by. Mm -hmm. So that being one of the huge benefits with Hummel is there's more of a local say in it rather than it being a template. So uh, huge props to to Jack. Uh, there's a close look at the kit on our YouTube. Um, we we went over that with with Rich and Brian, uh, contributors to Who Gives a Hoot and co-hosts of One the Rocks Pod. Um, go check that out. Covers all of League One. Um, we're we're gonna come back to the the J Mims bit. Like th this takes takes some more. We we have had some re-signings, um, contract extensions, players retained, um, and re-signings. Um, Kyle, have you? What what are your thoughts on on who we got back? We oh, I mean we we got back all the piece most of the pieces I thought we would. So, Cheeto, S somehow. <laughs> Somehow, fair, very, very fair. And I think uh, with Rashid, it definitely comes down to he's good enough to play at a top tier level in the United States, but he lacks a green card, and a team won't take a chance on him. Yeah. Um, defensively, a little bit worried here. Yeah, especially since originally they had said something about Touche coming back, and then they removed it. Um. I'll be interested to see what uh, what is further announced there. It did come out in the initial press release um, that he'd be returning, but was quickly uh, pulled back. Mm -hmm. I I think there's uh, there were quick fingers on on the the press release, not necessarily uh, waiting for ink to dry. Mm -hmm. And you know if he's back. I'm ecstatic because he performed so well for us. However, if he's not back, um, unable to come back, how, however, it, then it we does. need, we need a lot of center back signings if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, we still do anyway. Um, yeah, you have what Jiva and, and Shaft on the, on the sides, which the they listed Shaft as, as a midfielder. No, they listed, they listed him as a defender. And I was always going to approach this as, we have one defender right now, two, depending on um, what you call Shaft. But the more I think about it, then I think the more that it, well, I was going to say the more it fits Jay's style that we list Shaft as a defender. But we don't have Jay. That'll be to be determined now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, with Jiba and Shaft, uh, those two together is just. Pace. My, my, <laughs> having an off season to work together and figure things out will be so good. For my mind just doesn't 
comprehend how good that hookup can be. Like that, there's just so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, JP back. A little surprised, but I really like um, if he if he plays the season yeah. as 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 we expect him potentially to right. And if he's playing most of our games, he's going to be the first player of ours to hit 100 appearances for the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been here since day one. It's it'll be just him and Nishida now. When he arrived at Union Omaha, he had an appendix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're, we're recording this the day after his birthday, so, uh, assuming he listens for, for any reason whatsoever, uh, happy belated birthday from us. And I guess congratulations on the weight loss. <laughs> uh, he's bulked up since he got here and like muscle, like muscular, like he has grown into such a great player. I mean, he, he's one of, I, I don't, I don't know if you can say he's like the best and of course the the league doesn't necessarily think so but i mean no, I, I would say well the league actually picked up on his defensive stats this year which is like a first yeah <laughs> i mean he's definitely one of the best players in the league I, I would say i i heartily agree there um that the way he's been from day one to now the way he's grown the way he's grown with the team and the leadership roles he's taken, uh, I, I'm just amazed at how, how much growth there was. I didn't think his ceiling was that high mm-hmm. uh, from day one. He still owes me. Uh, I, I think I keep upping this like five yards every season. It, right now it was at 35, so 40 yard banger. Uh, but no, I, I know he has it in him. He can do it in preseason, but regular season, no. I haven't done it yet. Has to be a camera or it doesn't count. And then we've got, uh, sticking in midfield, uh, Chavani. Yep. Back. Uh, which I, I really like that. I, 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 he came on more throughout the year, which I really, well, really it, it's interesting because you bring back two sixes mm-hmm. and those were made with Jay's input there. Uh, granted, Peter is a licensed scout. So, knows what he's bringing in well jp and connor sometimes they would kind of pivot in the center with who's mm-hmm. playing more defensively and who's not but connor usually was the well do you player think, playing more defensively do you back. think there was any intention with um jp uh giovanni or uh connor who's the last one of that initial signing group oh he wasn't oh, no, sorry not no. that yeah yeah but yeah i mean he he's the one who is He's currently left out. He's currently left out, but as we'll far see. as we know, he's he's still in Omaha. I I would hope to see him back. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with Johnny and JP, you have to figure one of those was intended to move back to a center back position. It's a possibility. And the way Giovanni been performing offensively, I don't know if you can bring him back. Yeah. Play center back. I don't no, think, I, yeah. I think that would have to be JP, and I don't think JP is a center back or will ever. Be. I think you let. I think you let the new coach. And and we'll see if there's a system switch with a new coach. Yeah. yeah. yeah but I think you let the new coach, like, make that be their 
first major priority, getting two hopefully experienced quality center backs, and then you build from there. Because yeah. what's we, we've kind of been we've kind of been blessed as a new team for the last three years of how really just how solid the spine is of our formation versus other versus other other clubs in the league. Well, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, I, I threw through Connor's name in there. I was thinking of our other mm-hmm. very tenured uh, returning, uh, Louis Giel, um, who's coming back technically a forward, but we saw him moving more into a midfield role. He was role. definitely that wide midfield, sometimes center midfield. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you like, if you believe, if you believe the league's formations when they put them on the when they put them on their website, and sometimes they're still, no, no, sometimes 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 they get that average they get that average positioning down pretty good. He would be listed as like a center attacking mid, which yeah. mm-hmm. that was when all the injuries forced Jay to say, "Okay, well, I can't just plug and play anymore. Now I've got a formation change just mm-hmm. to try and put these guys in the best position possible." Do we see? Uh, and again, this is all dependent upon coach uh, coming in. Uh, do we think we see Gilles in kind of a ten? If that's the system we play, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge gamble, but you've got great pieces to work with. Why got, not Noe? Because I think Noe, Noe needs to be a nine. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a different type of nine. Right? Like, no, he, he's not a false nine, but he, he's definitely a forward attacking player. Yeah, because he, he has, he gets a lot of assists. As well, like that's something that like like an Evan or a Greg didn't. They yeah. didn't really get many assists. No, he does. Yeah. So that's that that is an interesting argument about it. I I'd almost put him as more of like a Lewandowski sort of uh, nine. Like he's got to get the goals, but he's not afraid to help everybody else out. He's not afraid to put in defensive work rate. He he's putting in everything, any part of the field. Well making sure that he's there to contribute for an attacking. And he got nerfed a little bit in the second half of the season um, with just the way things were being shuffled. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd love to see him after a... I, I consider that a very successful rookie season for him. It was, uh, especially with having to deal with the second half of the year because the midfield was where you really had to start worrying about... He was no longer playing with. He was no longer no. He was no longer playing uh, with a familiar look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the, the lineups were no longer consistent. Even sometimes his positioning was no longer consistent. It seemed like him and Brito on the left hand side were constantly. Um, it's constantly where we were putting up with, with was where we were putting up our most potent attack, and. At that point, even like sometimes Brito was flipped to the right side, and now he's, you know, you know, it's no longer familiar. It's no longer familiar to him out there. And for a first year pro, that's important. Yeah. Speaking of the other two players, I think it's just two that we haven't talked about: are uh, Brito and Akov, and Edu. Well, and 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 Yoskar. Yes. I mean, uh, as I think it was uh, referred to on the Parliament Discord today on an eternal contract. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dion, Dion's an interesting one to me because he's a very, very versatile player. Uh, 
Brito. There's been so much written about him um, on our blog elsewhere after his Open Cup mm-hmm. work, but I, I I don't think there's a there's not a low ceiling for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think we see uh, again depends on the coach coming in, but I think we see a lot of positive. Uh, positive experience there as he with, with our interview with him early in the season he definitely fits that kind of a, a little bit more reserved but he's taking everything in um, he's you can see his leadership qualities I could see him granted there are so many great candidates right now to wear an armband with this team. I, I could see him being one of the leading candidates there just based on the mm-hmm. way he way he behaves, the way he's on the field, the way he seems to behave off the field as well. You could tell he adapted to being a professional well. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that did dry up a little bit was his like statistical production, right? Like, because he had most of his goals and assists kind of earlier in the season when people didn't know who he was. Yeah, and so I, I think just kind of you know <laughs> continuing to adapt his game so yeah. that he gets those opportunities again. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll see that. Yeah. All right, abs. I do not have them. A <laughs> Dion does. Um, abs Akoff. He's just good support anywhere on the field, really. Like, we can kind of, you can throw him so many places. Yeah. I, like, he, as we saw, he could play defensively. He could play midfield. He can play well attacking. He, he's going to be that kind of band aid, I feel. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily a non starter, uh, but definitely somebody who, who is going to bring experience to a line that we need experience on. I get 2021 Amir Ali Hazic vibes with how his season next year can be. Amir was always Except productive. Amir was productive in 2021. Yeah. It's, it's, he was all, because once we got towards the end of 2021, we basically knew who our starting 11 was, and we knew Amir was going to be the first sub on. We didn't know who for at the time. It depended on who was tired, if we were winning. Also, can we refer to him by his real name? Trialist number one. I, I, I did not even remember that, but yeah. he was always going. He was always going to be the first guy on. We just didn't know who it was going to be for when Jay was going to bring him on. I think Dion could be that player next year. It, it really depends on the coach <laughs> and where the vibing is. Because I, I think the other, interestingly enough, the other player who could be that type of player for us next year is the one that we just re-signed today, which is Eddie Gordon. Eddie Gordon is a very versatile player in the midfield. Uh, if he improves significantly, I could see him filling that role, but I think he needs another season or two um, to, to really solidify himself as, as that level of player. Yeah, the end of the season was less about his development and more about patching holes in the lineup yeah. because he was the first starter at right back, I believe, after Gabe had moved to center yeah. when Touche got hurt. And he did – I don't know if it was three straight games or if it was three games in quick succession, but mm-hmm. he had a couple consecutive starts there. And the, 
last one we haven't really talked about is our other local boy, uh, Yoskar. Yeah. I mean, mentioned that he's on an internal contract, but he improved a lot over his, from his academy season to yeah. to his first full pro season. I could see if he's putting in the work rate in this off season, if he's taking it seriously, him being a real contender for a starter. He has the off the ball skill. He needs to bulk up. He he his height is not helping him in that sense. <laughs> well, uh, so he he definitely needs to bulk up to kind of make up for that. So so for player comparison um, to like first year in like a limelight role, uh, Jamal Musiala, his first year pro with the Bayern first team, he was scrawnier than all get out. Second season comes in, he's bulked up a bit, and then there's talk of him being the next big thing uh, internationally. You know, you got Bayern fighting for an extended contract there. I think if Yoskar's putting in that sort of off-season, like, build some, build some bulk. Build some, uh, build some muscle so your height doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're not getting muscled off the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I think he could be huge as an attacking midfielder. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would love to see him make the bench a bit more this year. I know that, like, he did it points throughout the season, and a lot of times we throw – there are, like, two times we throw him on for the second half or, like, the last 30 minutes. His best game last year was my, the second COVID game I missed. It was the weekend game after Chicago – not Chicago, after Minnesota, mm-hmm. where – I could even tell just on the broadcast that he and Dion clicked really good on the right side mm. of the field that game. And I wanted to see more from him. He just, he just got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Again. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully he makes the bench more this year so that he's at least has the ability to have that option to, to be thrown on and be played. Definitely. Because so many of the times he just he wasn't even making the bench. So he wasn't in that discussion, you know? Yeah. And I, I think there's an opportunity with a new coach coming in for him to really prove himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay scouted him initially, saw a lot of potential there. But with a new coach coming in, if he can prove himself, I think he could find himself in the starting 18, if not the starting 11 every game. All right. Um, rounding out news. There's still no stadium news. Um, but let, let's talk coaching. Uh, we all have coaches we'd like to see. Who, who's your top? I mean, I, I don't know that I have any specific names. I just more have people along the lines of this is the type of coach I'd want. Right? Like, I, I want a coach that is a I mean, a newer coach is fine, but like someone, oh, it really depends what Peter wants to do, right? If, if we want to stick with Jay's system, then you could find a coach that does that. Well, I, I don't know. Personally, I think Jay's system kind of got spotted. Mm-hmm. Um, locally, which is the way initially wanted things to go. Um, one of the names tossed out to me 
by by fans of the team. Mike Brown with Iowa Western. He's brought them a national title. Um, he was the one who initially scouted Dami. Brought Dami to Iowa Western with him. Uh, he's done amazing work at, at Iowa Western and before he was uh, somewhere down in Kansas. He's he's jumped around the, the JUCO system. But he's got the scouting chops that are needed at the League One level. He's got the connections that are needed at the League One level. I could see a lot of a lot of benefits bringing a guy like that in. Um, similarly, Johnny Torres with Creighton. Creighton just went to the final four of the NCAA tournament. They like he obviously can coach. He's been coaching Creighton for a while. Uh, great guy, well well invested in the community. Been been here forever. Do I necessarily think he's going to leave Creighton for a pro gig? Probably not. But I would be sad if we didn't try. Um, I think on Twitter we had mentioned Eric Quill, a uh, former North Texas coach. Is that right? Yeah, I saw I saw his name floated around, and it makes a little bit of sense. It's experience in the league, but if he's still in the MLS system, then he might be making a choice of saying he wants to stay in that well, system. Did, did he go to uh, the crew? Yes, I think he did, which was so, the USL League One All-Stars last year. Well, crew too was, yeah. <laughs> uh, crew just had a coaching change. And if he's an assistant at the crew, doesn't mesh with the new coach, that's a, hey, do you want to get out of a toxic job? Come back and be a head coach and have a say in a good team at the third division level. A, a team that is able to play in the Open Cup, which he was never able to do with North Texas. Um, and he knows from first-hand experience is good as well. Yeah. Any local ties at all? I don't think so. Um. So I guess that's an interesting question. So what what are you looking for? Are you looking for local ties? Are you looking for college ties? Like so many college coaches, and that's something Jay was really good at. Are you looking for established? Like what's the what's, the what's being prioritized? Yeah. Because I, I think it's success. I I think we're past the point. Jay did a lot of work with the community that we didn't necessarily have from the front office in the first two years. I think the front office is well well embedded in the community at this point, as much as we're going to continue to bitch about the marketing um, or lack thereof. They, they have a handle on what can be done there. I think we need somebody who can scout. And personally, I'd like to see a sporting director and a head coach, not them combined into one position. But if you're going to bring in one guy to cover both, a guy who was essentially the feeder uh, or like getting all the products of the um, North Tech or the Academy for Dallas, mm -hmm. 
which is arguably between their Salt Lake and Philly, uh, one of the best academies in the country. Like he's got roots. He he knows where to find players. He knows what to look for in players. He knows how to compete at this level. He knows how to compete at higher levels. I could see him being a very good option. So I drunk tweeted Lee Weidman Saturday night without saying his name. Okay. Current OKC Energy coach who aren't coming back to championship this year. In fact, just got confirmed today when USL's put out the conferences for championship. Because I think OKC Energy had, they kind of put out some kind of like snarky, it's, not our, it's our fault, but not our fault kind of message about not playing this upcoming season, but didn't say we're not playing this upcoming season. Now it's all confirmed. Biden has local ties. He played college at Bellevue. He coached at Midland and Fremont. He has coaching experience at Des Moines. He only was at OKC Energy because they fired their previous coach and he started coaching mid-season 2021. It was sometime in the summer. So he obviously, you know, his head coaching experience is half a season. But I think at, at this point now, he probably feels like, do I have a job? Do I not have a job? I mean, as long as the checks keep clearing, like, he could just be scouting, like, the ultimate OKC energy team. Messi That's... wants an extended leave before he comes back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't That's that hard. Miami? Well, no. See, then it, if, you, if you win the World Cup, then you have to... You have, to, you have to start a new save, right? So, you, <laughs> so, so you, start, you should start with League One, play somewhere League One this year, and then, you know, you win your championship, and then the little bloop comes up on the bottom of the app and says, your agent called. You have a new contract offer in the second division of the U.S. That's how you get to enter Miami. Don't just, don't just go there right away, Leo. Just earn it. Nah, I don't want to. <laughs> uh... I I think there are a lot of good options, but I don't think there are a lot of good unattached options. It's weird not having a coach, isn't it? It's weird in general, but it's mm. scary in December. It's scary the week of Christmas All right. to not have a coach. So, so let's put this out there. What current League One coach would you want to see come to Omaha like attached to a team right now but assuming there there's no no bars on it what league one coach would you like to see in Omaha Ian Cameron without a doubt that'd be my pick it's a good shout yeah uh just the fact that I mean, I, I don't know if he was the one who originally built all of that in South Georgia, but he did a bunch. Um, I mean, Sawatsky so, so is probably the other one that comes to mind. Yeah, Sawatsky is so one that I, I liked what he was doing at Tucson. Mm-hmm. He was That was when Tucson was a two-team for Phoenix. Um, left there because he couldn't do what he wanted. He's done great work in his two seasons three seasons, two at, at two um, at Richmond. I, I mean, 
I don't see a need for him to leave Richmond, but I've admired him. He looks like a low-rent Bond villain. Um, but, yeah, see, seeing him here would be would be fun. That'd be the difference between, I think, picking somebody that you just want to be the head coach of a team versus somebody who might either be a little bit more of a player's coach or even have more of a, like, ground, you know, ground up like idea, vision for the club. Going might forward. have valet parking at the Volcanic Lair. Uh, I think we can all agree the one coach we don't want to see here, John Harts. Harts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't need him. Yeah, no. no. Uh, he, he hasn't done a whole lot with Greenville. They haven't even won a final. <sighs> all right. Um, anything else news-wise? Going to be really, really cold this week. That, that, that's not soccer news. That's, just, <laughs> that's you being from Mississippi. Um, otherwise, I, I think we talked about it before, but just that we are going to have more games this season. <laughs> yep. So I really hope we see some player signings at some point. I mean, the World Cup's done, so we, we got our scouting done. Mm-hmm. De- definitely, yeah. Uh, we, we didn't even talk about um, Portugal and Mexico fired their, their head coaches. So the, they're up. <laughs> I don't think Tata's going to come to League One after being at Atlanta before. <laughs> oh, I mean, we've beaten MLS teams. He likes a challenge. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the. Uh, I, I mean, we're not doing like yeah, we're we're not doing a whole lot of superlatives. Um, I'm not great with superlatives, but I figure at least a MVP and an MIP. Uh, I, I guess we could probably do a rookie of the year, but I feel like that might also be. Like yeah, I mean, I feel like. At least for me, the that would be the same as an MIP. Yeah, I feel like maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um. All right, Jared. What do you got for an MVP? Um. I throw my vote to Noe. Um. Could play fairly consistent for a first year pro. Um. Seemed like he was at the very least. Our, our, not our most dynamic goal scorer. I mean, we really basically had two guys that scored in volume this year, he and JP. Um, but it seemed like, it seemed like Noe always had, to, like you always had to watch out and watch where Noe was. And if you want to add just like how much of a pest somebody can be to the other team, that. It's close between him and JP, but I, I, I'd give my vote to Noe. So, MVP for me, either Dalton, because uh, Dalton was consistent on the back line, and I don't even really think it's arguably, but one of the best defenders in the league. Um, he had to deal with a whole lot of rotation around him, coaching 
new guys into positions. Breaking uh, his hand. Breaking yes. his hand. <laughs> um, but at the same time, also occasionally taking the armband. Like, he, he really was an extremely valuable player. The other being JP. With similar reasons, the work rate was there, the leadership was there. But I, I am going to put it with the most valuable player on the team being Dalton. Um, just the consistency throughout the season, uh, the leadership, and just his lack of offensive stats because he was too busy being kick-ass at defense. I mean, that, yeah, I Dalton and JP were ones I was thinking of too, um, especially like what you mentioned. Um, the one other I'll throw in there is is the captain, is Connor. Um, he played, and I, I bring this up pretty much every time, but he literally has played every single minute he could possibly, not minute, but every single game he is, could have possibly played for us. Yeah, he is, even if he's subbed on. Even if he's subbed on, he's played every game he could have played for us, which is incredible. So, uh, yeah, just uh, I'd love to see Connor back. And, yeah, I'll say Connor for MVP. All right. Um, we'll start with you then for most improved. Oh, so do I get the easy one? Uh, Ryan. Very much so. Yeah, Ryan. 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 I mean, compared to that Des Moines game, compared to the rest of the season, like you could see how much he improved. It was incredible. It was amazing. And I am so excited to see him continue to improve as well. He has such a high ceiling. Same. He, and it, it took about a month. It took mm -hmm. about a month to when you noticed that the transition from offense to defense started becoming seamless. And it was just like having Dami the first two years. We didn't have to worry about tracking back on the left-hand side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, Ryan, I, I've been saying it all season. Like, I don't know if there was a pod I said it wasn't Ryan. Because if there was, I was wrong. It was Ryan. Um, going to Twitter, we did ask for questions last minute. Eric Quill, discuss. We already discussed. Uh, any player reactions, comments on the new kit sponsor? Do they like it? Is it not a big deal to them? We haven't talked to any of the players yet. I hope they like it. I like it. It's pretty cool. Uh, better than the templates. Much better than the templates. And if you watch our YouTube, um, you can hear Peter, Josh, um, both mention talk of other kits this season and that we may not be just at two we might be at three or more so that's definitely cool to hear uh new manager talk describe the qualities front office looking for i feel like we kind of yeah we kind of covered that patrick I, you just you're used to the formula uh <laughs> uh can the club capitalize on the hype around the World Cup to bring in more supporters? It's hard, hard to do in uh, hard to do from a Winter World Cup mm -hmm. when you have a few months. We have, we and not and not only do we're usually waiting until January to sign players because we're waiting for championship teams to sign players, so, but now we have to get a coach first. I, I'm going to expound 
or expand upon this. We got a women's World Cup this summer. Mm. Uh, and then we have the hype going into 2026 with Kansas City. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for the club to really capitalize on a continuing momentum of soccer in this country to, to bring in more supporters. The U.S. did well for by U.S. standards in this World Cup. Did what was expected. Did a little I, bit I more say. than what was expected. But yeah, They didn't bomb out. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think the expectation for the U.S., especially when you're the two-seed team, is get out of the group stage. The, if you wanted an over-under on the performance of the U.S. in this World Cup, it's obviously getting through to the round of 16 is basically just flat. The over-under is did we lose a game in the group stage? And we didn't, mm -hmm. and that's where they overperformed. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a huge opportunity. There are definitely more people interested um co-workers talking about it like and there's a lot of opportunity for fans to really educate uh casuals about lower division soccer in the united states and catching a professional amateur semi-professional game in their their backyard yeah like when you have the level of the game that we do here so close to home it's like well why don't you, you know, yeah. if you're really interested, you have that ability to go see it. Definitely. Um, especially with a local team compared to having to drive to Kansas City or something, right? So. Yeah. Um, and then house shoes at uncreated class. Uh, thoughts on signing players before a manager? Could be a lot of square pegs in round holes this upcoming season. I mean, that's that's why when we got the tease a couple hours before they announced Eddie, we all were in agreement. This is a returning player. Mm -hmm. It's not a new player. Um, I have faith that Peter can sign a player without a coach, but I'm not sure if he'd want to. So as we kind of talked through the players already, I don't think there was a single player we talked about that we'd consider unversatile. Oh yeah, no. Like, like they're they're not all Swiss Army knives, but they're all very versatile players. They're adaptable, coachable. Um, some offer leadership qualities. Other offer, you know, like tremendous speed, great ball skills. Like there, there's not a coach coming in here unless it's a bad hire that wouldn't be able to work with these players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that versatility aspect is really important. And and I think that the only players we will probably see signed until we get another coach it, are returning players of some sort. Like, if Connor does come back, I could see that happening before a coach is hired. Does Connor come back as a coach? Player coach? I mean, it would be between him and Dalton. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard some, some strong strong voicing for Dalton Netson as head coach. I won't mention by which former co-host that was. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Imagine, imagining Dalton walking the sideline as a head coach. What would he wear? No, he wouldn't be oh. walking the sidelines. He'd be playing center back and coaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, don't take this. Don't take this image. No, away. no, no. no, no. Gonna, yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't play every game. Some, you know, he he'd need a rest. Some games. It'd be golf pants, cowboy hat, golf pants, and a cowboy hat. 
Yeah, and like a, a polo shirt, like just a, yeah. a casual polo shirt. Yeah. yeah. You find him a piece of wheat to chew <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> All right. I, I think that, that brings 2022 to a close. Um, so to all of us, or from all of us here uh, at the blog, that are YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, which I don't know the last time we posted on our Facebook, and you follow us on Facebook, just get another social media account for Twitter or Instagram. You'll have better luck there. Uh, and those of you listening on whatever podcatcher you are, uh, it's currently Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah. Uh, shortly, Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa, Yule. Um, well, holidays. Holidays. Uh, or just, if you don't celebrate any of the holidays, stay warm. Like, it's really, really cold. Just continue being you. Yeah, it's it's real cold. Like, yeah. All right, boys. One last question for the year. Who gives a hoot? We, we do. do.